Hello and welcome to another episode of the Health Form Zanzi podcast. Today, we have an inspiring journey to share with you. A tale of resilience, determination and breakthroughs. I'm your host, Dawn Umdu, and I'm happy to share the remarkable life story of Ashley Ace, the CEO of Medical Diagnostic. In the challenging backdrop of Bishop Lavis on the Cape Flats in the Western Cape, Ashley faced the harsh realities of poverty, gangsterism, and substance abuse. But we'll soon discover his story transcends those struggles. Growing up, he found solace and inspiration in sports and science. At the age of 23, he pitched a groundbreaking product aimed at combating substance abuse, securing a national contract that marked the beginning of his entrepreneurial journey. Ashley, it is such a pleasure to have you join me here on the Health Form Zanzi podcast. I was just saying to you that I came across a video that you had posted on social media and I was like, I have to speak to this guy. I need him on the podcast. So thank you so much for being here. Welcome. Thank you for considering me and I feel honored to be part of the podcast. I've watched some content and some videos a bit about your background and I must say, I don't like this term, but it really sounded like a kind of rags to riches, kind of really, you know, taking yourself out of a situation or circumstances where your family was really struggling and kind of just you made it work for you. Talk through some yeah. of your background story, what kind of was very significant during your upbringing and this time. Thanks. I grew up in Bishop Labus, which is on the Cape Flats. We know that all of us in South Africa, most of us come from difficult backgrounds. So I'm just one of the typical South Africans who didn't grow up with a silver spoon and grew up in poverty, obviously with gangsterism, substance abuse being an issue. And I was 10 years old when we moved out of Bishop Lavis. We moved to an area called Belhar. That is where basically I met my peers and identified my passion for science, but also my love for sport. So when I grew up in these difficult circumstances, fortunately, I was always influenced positively to use my spare time on the football pitches or on the cricket pitch or athletics. I basically utilized my spare time doing sport, but also following my biggest passion, science. Also, music, of course. I'm a big fan of different genres of music. Growing up as a kid, I basically focused a lot on keeping myself busy and trying to excel myself out of the difficult circumstances we all face. But of course, faith being a big part of it, knowing that there's a purpose to all of the things that we're doing, and also trying to combat our own devils that we have due to our own traumas. That was something, obviously, very, very significant for me to be able to be recognized and have an opportunity all glory to God for all the opportunities that's coming now due to hard work and the sacrifice. I believe that growing up in those circumstances mold us accordingly. And that's actually, you know, my next question. You know, if you could share some kind of key experiences or moments from your past that really significantly shaped the person you are today, the CEO of, you know, medical diagnostic. And I want to, you know, kind of get into more about the work that you guys do. But just to kind of think, yeah. reflect on, you know, I think you were quite young when you kind of were pulled into the industry and you had to do this pitch. And so just talk us through that. I'm going to go a bit personal, of course. We all have personal stories to share. For me, substance abuse was a big issue in our family. Direct homes, you know, as we know, direct many homes in South Africa. 
I basically got upset and I used my aggression towards a product that is driven towards combating substance abuse, methamphetamine dip, of course, and all the other classes of drugs. So I was 23 years old and having been through these issues, also losing my sister, she was the baby at the age of 16, she was murdered. That was also heavy on us as a family. It was basically gang-related and her boyfriend was related to whatever and she obviously was oblivious to it and something happened. And she passed on that with the substance abuse issues, with me also burning. I burned two years ago. So there was a lot of trauma that came over a short period of time. And all these traumas, of course, can steer us in the direction of aggression, jealousy, envy, you know, all those negative emotions, which aggression was my biggest thing. I got very upset at circumstances and I thought, how can I use my aggression in a positive way? And I basically, at the age of 23, pitched to Alpha Farm Pharmacies a product they never saw before, a corporate social investment product, which is a drug test for the Cape Flats under the brand. I basically thought that this is my shot to pitch to these guys, and I have a one shot now. I've been begging for a meeting, and they basically gave me 10 minutes in the lunchtime at the meeting with that. And I came up with the elevator pitch where I had before and after pics of you know, people on drugs, but also I made sure that they can see the future of what they can do. So I designed the packaging for them with a logo on and everything and I pitched it to them and that of course of the visuals that I presented and they could relate to the issue I got a contract nationally and uh, that's when it started that's when I entered competitions I had South African breweries kickstart competition the South African breweries innovation awards any many other competitions and uh, fortunately you know with the innovations and ideas that I had as a scientist I looked at malaria being a big kill in Africa and targeting malaria as a product since there were no significant African malaria uh, test kit manufacturers. So there's an opportunity to develop something very sensitive, African for Africa. South African breweries saw this as a value add. We won the Innovation Award at the time. Cyril Ramaphosa was president of South African Breweries Foundation before he became president of the country. And fortunately, he gave me a check uh, through the foundation to be able to set up infrastructure. So he gave us a million rand just to set up infrastructure through the foundation. And from there, employed different scientists, employed people who went on to finish the PhDs, we have four doctors at the company now, and we're expanding in the space of innovation, expanding in the space of medical devices. We're picking out technologies that is actually patented. So I focused a lot on innovation. I focused a lot on first the world, and I focused a lot on getting a team together, understanding our competence, understanding my competence, understanding my weaknesses, and being real, you know, being authentic. All of these life lessons got me to a point where I can sit in a boardroom humbly now, but I can also still be aggressive at the same time if I need to be. And that balance was quite important for me to process my trauma and insecurities to something that would not use my ego to use my pride against me. And we know that ongoing battle for all of us. To be able to start a business is not a difficult thing, but to execute, that is when the, when the test coming. This kind of reflection and kind of thinking through the process and where you come from and where you are today is absolutely amazing to kind of hear. And I think when you really sit where you are in your boardroom now, can you look back and think like, wow, do you often do that where you're like, I did it, you know? Definitely. You know what it is. So when I grew up, I grew up a Catholic altar boy and I was in church, an altar boy. And I've always had this feeling of purity, something to do with, there must be a greater designer, there must be energy, nature, universe, God, call it whatever, you know, that make things possible. It's impossible for us to go and grab all opportunities and also of course with all the trials and tribulations that happen all of this points to the fact that energy cannot be created nor destroyed as it says in science 
that applies to the energy in our bodies as well. It applies to the electricity that makes your muscles move, that makes your neurons fire in your brain. If that energy cannot be created nor destroyed, that energy must be transferred in some sense. And for me, seeing all the trials and tribulations people go through, and me, myself, you know, when we fail this, we're on the karmic cycle, those tests continue. Once I identify that, you know, it's all about unconditional love and quality. And if that is what nature and God wants, and if that is how we're going to share and help each other, and that's the type of culture I want. To be able to do that, I need to purge, get rid of you know, all the dark forces inside me because everybody thinks the devil is in the ground, the devil isn't with you. You, Everybody have their own devils, you know, free will created that. So I'm a firm believer in God. I'm a firm believer that the universe is run in accordance with unconditional love sharing. If we can do that, then, you know, all the religious principles apply. I'm not religious in any sense, but I believe in the Ten Commandments, the Five Pillars of Islam, the Chakra System, all of those things point to one thing. We all have a purpose. We all are even. We all are competent. We just need to uncloud our own judgment, uncloud our own heads that make us limit our beliefs and give us insecurities such as inferiority complexes, where it's very difficult to be able to execute on an idea when your mind is blocking you. So I've learned over the years with this trauma, there's two ways. I could have either gone mad, die, or use it to my advantage. You know, I, I chose a letter. I had to learn how to be present and patient. It's running too fast. You know, everything I want to do quick because I'm aggressive. So through personal development and understanding EQ, understanding emotion intelligence, you know, IQ makes a product and it makes the world work, but EQ runs the world. So you can't sell a product without having emotional intelligence. And I think that's where it starts for anybody is to know yourself, know your strengths, your weaknesses. And fortunately for me at the age of 42 now, it's a bit late in my opinion, but it's possibly what I chose with God, you know, to have all these obstacles in the beginning of my life and now that I'm matured enough, I can see how I can create value for hope and beyond myself. You know, just listening to you reflect in this way, it's enlightening. So thank you so much for sharing that. I want to ask you, you know, what are some of your most significant achievements or projects that you're particularly proud of? You listed a few that you were involved with early in our conversation, you know, really key milestones that you guys, you know, met. And what would you kind of sure. reflect and say, this is definitely one that I'm like, yes. Well done, Ashley. You know, you pat on the back. And Ashley and team and everyone else who's involved. Can you tell yeah. me that? The first thing is, firstly, identify that a CEO and a founder, the majority shareholder of a company, doesn't mean you own the company. You actually work for the company more. So for me, my team, my corporate culture, having the scientists that I have, I have Dr. Takunda, Dr. Armand, Dr. Linden, and Dr. Charlene the company and they all come from neighboring universities, Stellenbosch University, UWC, UCT. That for me was the first accomplishment is to see that the, the caliber of people that I have in my company lives in me as a leader. They innovate accordingly. The second thing that I think is significant, I have to thank South African Breweries Foundation for what they're doing. They basically provide enterprise development funds and corporate social investment funds for any brilliant idea. So the kickstart competition uh, was to kickstart my business. It's a business plan. There's no business in place, and they were there. And then uh, when we innovated, of course, me being a scientist, I developed the methodologies myself and trained the staff. I got them to innovate even further where I don't have to micromanage. So the trusting in terms of my staff is a big accomplishment for me because, of course, we know people working with people. Firstly, that's a difficult thing. How do you get everybody to be aligned to the same frequency? And how do you get everybody to be aligned in accordance with the corporate culture. So having set up the company and having developed the malaria test itself, 
We also developed Africa's first COVID antigen test and Africa's first COVID blood serological test, which is for antibodies, the detection of antibodies. In that time, when lockdown happened, we obviously got a, a permit because we're in the medical space to be on the roads. So the first day of the lockdown, I was driving on the N1 in Cape Town on my way to the Brackenfell area, and it was a ghost town. And when I got to work myself, we all were there, and we had to develop this COVID product. But now you must understand there are no samples available. COVID just hit South Africa. So whenever we heard somebody's positive, I put on my hazmat suit, my team, and we drove to their houses. And we started to test people, family members. Unfortunately, we lost some family members to COVID. My fiance lost a mom also to COVID. So I was standing in a hazmat suit and my staff as well with a nurse. And I was walking around with 200 rands in my pocket just in the hospital just to give people money to give samples because samples are what makes the quality of the test. Through our ethical clearance to be able to do the clinical trials, we've done it and we then submitted it to the National Health Laboratory Services, particularly called the National Reference Laboratory, which is a collaboration between WITS Diagnostics and the National Health Laboratory Services. So Professor Leslie Scott, she then ran our COVID protocols for diagnostics in terms of how it must be tested, where it must be tested. And of course, COVID being such a big had such a big impact on our economy. Timing was important then. We've managed to send the developer product, went to UCT, tested it, then sent it to our labs, and they tested it against all the other products that's in the world. And uh, the performance was way better than we ever thought. I mean, it's better than the specification SAPRA, how regulator needed. We then got approval for the COVID-19 antigen test. We then got approval for COVID-19 antibody test. But also then we thought people, we have 11 official languages at that time, it's now 13, I think. People must be able to use the test. So we need to bring out an app on a phone where you can download the app, you scan the QR code in your box, it shows you all the batch information, how to use the test. But also once the test is conducted, it must report the results to the national database. So we've developed an app with a company in Seattle called Odderay. They actually programmed the app, we sent them the kits, and we then sent cell phones to various provinces for SAPRA, to approve of the usability study and to approve of itself. So SAPRA gave us approval on a mobile app called the Health Health Test Now app. Yeah, that was a big accomplishment. That showed us that we can actually develop within a pandemic, get technologies out that others didn't because the app itself was never approved by SAPRA before for diagnostic purposes as a companion app. We were the first. Having said that, what we then done afterwards, we thought, okay, let's now innovate. Let's now go crazy on innovation. Let's focus on first-to-world products. So we have patents filed now. One of the patents that we filed is for a technology called Oculus ID. And what that technology does, it's a camera and a flash in a device. We've built it with uh, obviously computing power, Wi-Fi connectivity, and a cloud server. What this device does, basically, we do a medical on an individual. We make sure that they're not on any substances, don't have any blood pressure issues, or you know, any conditions that will affect their pupils' response to light. So what the system does, it then a flash goes off and the camera reacts to the flash. So obviously your pupil grew smaller. And it plots a graph based on this. And what we've identified was that with this technology, we've developed it for substance abuse. We can actually detect diabetes via it. And we never knew this. When we conducted the study in Bishop Labus, we saw that one group of individuals had a unique profile to this graph. And we saw that it's in one area of the graph only is when the pupil must dilate again. And we found that they're all diabetic. So we obviously filed a patent. With Oculus ID, we're looking at having a diabetes test where you don't have to pick your finger anymore and actually download an app on your phone and you can analyze your eyes and uh, you register yourself obviously in the app 
and then every day when you scan your pupils, it will take that registered baseline scan of you, which we know is done after medical, and it will compare all your future scans to it. So if there's any deviation to the baseline scan that we have of your eyes in our system, then it's a health issue that can come up. So that is good for insurance space, you know, for the vitality point system Discovery is doing. We're thinking of having it on your mobile phone and checking your eyes daily. So if you scan your eyes every day and there's deviation, this could be blood pressure changes, it could be a tumor growing in your brain, you know, anything like that. So we're looking at such technologies. Obviously, your passion coming through very strongly there, but I was just going to say in response, like, talk about breaking the glass ceiling, Ashley. Like, (laughs) seriously, you've done so much. I mean, this is exactly why showcasing the work that you're doing is needed because I think so many people don't know about it and that's the aim of this podcast to kind of celebrate you and celebrate excellent i'm grateful for the opportunity to discuss this in detail we've just been plowing into innovation and now we're at that stage where we're releasing all these things you know what i'm excited about also is dr takunda he's from zimbabwe two years before covid he came to me and he saw me in the media and he said can i please meet with you for lunch and i thought you know what it's good let's meet with young people let's see where they're at and when I met with him, I told him what we're busy with. And he immediately stopped and he said, Ash, I'm not ready to meet with you yet. I'm going to come back in two years' time. I need to work on some certain things. And I was like, shocked. I'm like, look at this guy. Okay, two years goes by and he comes back to me and he's like, I'm ready now to meet with you. I'm like, okay. And he's busy with his doctorate at Stellenbosch University. So I said, okay, let's do business. And he said, no, I want to join your company. I want your company to take this over and work here. He joined our company and just got his PhD in November from Stellenbosch University for identifying certain plants that can actually limit tumors and fight cancer. And his natural plants, and if your doctorate's on that, you must know it's something else. When he joined the company, he developed something called the Biodometer. It's basically a USB dongle that you plug into your phone. And then that dongle allows you to plug in those diabetes type strips where you put your blood sample on it. That you can plug in your phone and now we can do diabetes tests on your mobile phone within five seconds. You can do cholesterol testing, HIV testing. The biodometer is being launched this year. We collaborated with a company called Skeg in Montego Gardens in Cape Town. They're absolutely amazing in industrial engineering and the stuff that they do. So we're bringing out the biodometer to be able to do diagnostics on your mobile phone by plugging diabetes type strips in it for different diseases, even for agriculture to test, you know, potato wall or salmonella in chicken, whatever. We're porting everything to the mobile phone now because that's where technology is going. And then we have something called Pocket also, which Dr. Arman Peters developed. He's from Belgium originally, Stellenbosch University graduate. He joined the company and he developed the Pocketist, which is where doctors now can do pathology services in the office. They don't have to send their blood to bed anymore. We've developed a small device called Pocket that you can carry in your pocket. It stands for point of care isothermal technology. And what it does is you basically, it has a slide, you put a blood sample in it or a saliva sample or a vaginal swab, whatever the slide is for. You're developing it for different diseases. Then you can do TB testing in the doctor's office or you can do cervical cancer testing in the doctor's office. Anything to do with DNA, you can do in the doctor's office. We figured out a way to do PCR in a small scale. PCR is obviously what they use during COVID times, all those PCR tests, polymerase chain reaction. It was quite expensive. It was like 800 bucks a test. So we thought, how can we do PCR on a small device where you don't need this big thermocycler machine? And we saw that if you take a certain enzyme and you use a heating block at one temperature and you take certain dyes, then you can get a color reaction to happen without needing the machine. You just need one temperature. So we've developed a prototype with Stellenbosch University. Skeg is taking it over now. And the pocket device will be able to be used in aviation as well to test jet fuel to make sure that there's no microbial sludge in there, microbes growing, all these regulatory things. 
So I'm proud of that as well. So for Pocket and Biodomet and Oculus, those three things that the company is bringing out this year, I think that's going to make a big impact. Oh, glory to God for getting us to this point and now we trust in the process. I think I definitely want to invite you back to some of our other broad dis- broader discussions on this sure. podcast and invite some of your doctors that that's part of your team as well, definitely. And you can tell yeah. so much more detail about what you're doing. But I just want to ask one question that I thought about, you know, how does this technology and the stuff that you're working on increase people's, you know, accessibility to kind of monitor their health better? Because if I can spend less money and using technology that's everyone, most people have as a smartphone these days, that kind of what is really significant for me as I'm listening to you. People don't want our products, they need it. So now firstly, if you sell it to distributors who sells it on to wholesalers, then it goes to pharmacies. By the time it gets to public, it's inflated. We were thinking, how can we do this? We can actually supply schools, mosques and churches where those communal institutions can take a cut of the form of economy and the form of profits instead of having to supply a place in a mall. So logistics become a big part in this. You know, there are many, many companies out there like Pickup. They do Uber-type deliveries where you can now do online sales and it's not too expensive to have a product delivered directly to somebody's house. That is what we're looking at. We're looking at innovating in marketing sales and distribution and logistics as well. By having applications to deliver direct to people and not having inflated pricing, but also having, obviously, a great technologies that is easy to use. The Biodometer itself, we've developed an app where it shows you all the use instructions. It reports your results. Also, you can actually send your weekly results to your doctor and it will show you your glucose concentrations on a daily basis for him to give input or cholesterol concentrations. So all of these self-reporting apps and AI, etc., that is what we're targeting now. And that's what we've built in our systems to make it easier for people to do diagnostics. Definitely, I think you're like winning this race. <laughs> I just want to commend you once again for all of your amazing contributions. But what would you say to kind of fellow medical professionals or people within the healthcare space as a message to kind of that keep on keeping on kind of uh, message? Yeah. But just from your side in terms of the work that you do day to day. I think it's important as people, not even medical professionals, to understand that collaborative efforts and valuing the next person, their work would get innovation and would get solutions manufactured or manifested very quickly if everybody can control the egos. If people control the egos, especially in the science space, then collaborative efforts and brilliance of minds come together. Not one person can do this. One thing I've learned, my job is to have an effective team who are happy every day when they come to work and they feel valued. My message to fellow scientists out there, we don't know it all. We have evidence of how things work, but us working together and developing a shared vision and understanding that we're following a design that will help us to effectively contribute to society without expecting anything in return. Thank you so much for joining us, Ashley. Your vision really extends beyond traditional healthcare models. With a commitment to accessibility, evident in the initiatives that directly supply communal institutions, schools, mosques and churches, ensuring affordability for all in Mzanzi's healthcare sector.
If you found Ashley's journey as inspiring as we did, be sure to share this episode. Remember, you can also read more on his life journey by visiting www.healthformzanzi.co.za. From me, Dornumdu, our technical producer, Megan van der Fendt, and the rest of the hashtag Team Healthform Zanzi. Until next time, stay inspired. <laughs>